Do you want to listen ad-free? You can do that now by joining our Patreon or hitting that subscription button on Apple Podcast. Spotify listeners, we got you too. All you got to do is in your Spotify app, search The Murder Diaries ad-free. Welcome to The Murder Diaries. I'm Natalie. And I'm Paige. In the fall of 2019, Tiffany Booth was starting anew. She'd moved states, had a job that she enjoyed, and was about to meet a man who she thought she could spend the rest of her life with. But that man wouldn't change her life for the better. Instead, he would end it. The investigation that followed would be led in part by her family, who, through their large network, was able to discover crucial leads in the case. In fact, in the span of 10 days, Tiffany Booth's case would go from being a missing persons investigation to a homicide investigation to finally a national manhunt. And today, Tiffany's family knows where she is and knows in their gut what happened to her. But she still doesn't have justice. And her killer? Well, he's still at large. Her name was Tiffany Booth. This is her story. You still think it's in my head But I'm walking with the dead Tiffany Lynn Booth was born on June 11, 1985 to her mom, Judy, who she was extremely close with. In fact, loved ones described Tiffany and Judy's relationship as best friends. The Moms and Mysteries podcast interviewed Tiffany's cousin, Angelina, and her aunt, Mindy, two people Tiffany was also close with. Thankfully, we have their permission to use the contents of that interview, and as such, we'll be referring to it several times throughout this episode. Judy described Tiffany to the Ely Times as a happy-go-lucky person, willing to help anybody. In fact, in almost every source that talks about Tiffany, her kindness and big heart is always mentioned. She was known as being someone who would go out of their way to help you. She was also known to be silly and to have a very strong personality. The Help Find Justice for Tiffany Booth Facebook group said this about her. Although Tiffany was small in height and size, she was a firecracker when it came to standing up for herself or others. There was nobody who could prevent Tiffany from being strong-minded or take away the fuse that lit her enthusiasm and warmth. In addition to her love for her family, Tiffany loved her friends and her pets, but especially her pets. At the time of her disappearance, Tiffany had a cat named Fluffy Kitty. Tiffany also owned a parakeet that she inherited from her grandmother. The bird would sit on her shoulder and hang out with Tiffany, and that created such a strong bond between the pair. So when the bird died, Tiffany had its body cremated and kept its ashes. Now a little background on the two family members I mentioned earlier. First, there's Tiffany's Aunt Mindy. She was only eight years older than her, and the two were close. They grew up alongside each other. In fact, whenever they got together, Tiffany would always ask Mindy to do her hair. Now, Tiffany and her cousin Angelina were also close, but they had a very unique relationship because they didn't meet until Angelina was 25 years old. Once they did meet, however, they were fast friends. Here's what happened. Angelina is related to Tiffany through her father, who died when Angelina was young. After this happened, Angelina was cut off from the rest of the family, including Tiffany. When Angelina became an adult, she started looking for her father's family. And in comes Tiffany, who was interested and skilled in genealogy. Through Tiffany's digging, the two women met and quickly bonded over their love of Disney true crime shows and their family trees. 
Tiffany introduced Angelina to the family she never knew, an experience that Angelina treasured and so much appreciated. Tiffany was even able to help Angelina find a half-brother, her dad's son, who she had never met before. Tiffany then brought the brother to Texas to meet Angelina. So I think it's safe to say that Tiffany really was the glue that helped keep this family together. She would plan family reunions and facilitate family members meeting for the first time. At these reunions, she would suggest family board games that would go all night long. Angelina told Moms and Mysteries, I'm never going to forget just her heart. It was so important to her to make sure the family was together and even family that she didn't know, had never met, had only heard about. That's just the kind of person she was. Tiffany was the glue. In the months leading up to Tiffany's murder, her mom had some serious health issues. So around fall 2019, Tiffany left San Antonio, Texas, where she had been living, and moved to Las Vegas so she could take care of her mom. The two shared a condo together. Now that Tiffany was settling down in Vegas, she got a job in the IT department at a telecommunication company. And although she liked her IT job, she ultimately wanted to work with kids. In fact, people who knew Tiffany said that she was great with kids and that she loved being around them. For example, Angelina's son who has autism. Tiffany was great and natural with him. There was one instance when Tiffany, who had asthma, helped Angelina's son cope with a breathing treatment that required him to wear a big, special mask. Tiffany, who had to do the same treatment, sent a picture of herself wearing the mask to the little boy and said, quote, see, grownups have to do it too. She then showed him how to wear the mask and be comfortable with it. Now that Tiffany was beginning to settle into her life in Vegas, she started dating a guy who she worked with, but they broke up in early 2020. Then in March 2020, at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, Judy contracted COVID. Thankfully, Tiffany didn't get sick, but... Due to her extreme asthma, she was a high risk for the disease. In order to keep Tiffany safe, Judy moved out of the condo and into her boyfriend's house, leaving Tiffany all by herself. Due to this separation, Tiffany would call Judy several times a day to check in on her. And around this time, Tiffany was approached by a coworker named Eduardo Clemente. He asked her if he could crash on her couch for a while. He told Tiffany that he had to move out of his current house because his sister tried to kill him. It would later come out that this was a complete lie. Eduardo didn't even have a sister. Not knowing that he was lying though, Tiffany agreed to let him move in with her. Tiffany's family had no idea she was living with a man because whenever she mentioned Eduardo, she just referred to him as her roommate. Tiffany's family told Moms and Mysteries that Tiffany, while being sweet and kind, was also vulnerable and mild-mannered. This meant that she was very trusting and saw the best in people. Sometime during July 2020, Eduardo and Tiffany started dating. Tiffany didn't tell her family about the change in her relationship right away, but they knew that Tiffany and Eduardo still lived together. Both Angelina and Mindy believed that Tiffany kept their relationship a secret because it evolved backwards with them living together before they started dating. And it wasn't until a couple months later in September 2020 when Tiffany first started telling family members about her relationship. She told them that after Eduardo moved in, their coworker friendliness deepened into something more. Tiffany carefully chose who she told about the relationship, and she didn't tell her mom right away. Tiffany described Eduardo as her prince charming and as a big teddy bear. 
she told Angelina that what she was feeling in the relationship was brand new and something she had never experienced. The couple went out a lot and Eduardo showered love on Tiffany. Angelina told In Pursuit with John Walsh that Eduardo, quote, seemed like the perfect fit. But when looking back on the relationship, Angelina can identify the behavior as love bombing. So what's love bombing? The Cleveland Clinic defines it as when a partner heaps praise and love onto a person in order to get them to start a relationship. Then as the relationship progresses, the love bombing often transitions to more manipulative behavior, which creates an abusive situation. In a family group chat, which had Mindy and Angelina, but not Judy, Tiffany said that she and Eduardo were talking about getting married and that they were super in love. She said that if they got married, they wanted their wedding to be Star Wars themed. While the family was happy for Tiffany, they were also concerned. In that same interview that we've been using throughout this episode, Mindy told the host that they didn't know Eduardo and thought that the relationship was progressing too quickly. To her, it seemed like a, quote, very fast whirlwind romance that she was so happy and stoked about. Tiffany truly believed that Eduardo was the love of her life and was the one. Despite their concerns about the speed of the relationship, the family noticed that Tiffany's life seemed to be on a good track. She bought herself a car and was posting pictures of herself on Facebook, something the family viewed as a good sign. And according to Mindy, they thought, quote, well, maybe this is a good thing for Tiffany. But they wouldn't think that for long. Because on September 27th, 2020, Tiffany and Eduardo had dinner with Judy and they told her that they were dating. This was the first time that Judy or anyone in the family had met Eduardo. Judy told the Las Vegas son that Eduardo seemed like a normal person. She said, quote, I didn't see anything in him at all. Judy also told the Ely Times that Eduardo seemed nice and smart, but she felt he had secrets and didn't talk much about his family. Then on October 1st, Tiffany or someone using Tiffany's phone texted Judy and said that she was going on a trip with Eduardo to Boulder City, which was about 35 minutes from Las Vegas. Tiffany, or the person posing as her, claimed that the trip was because her asthma was bad due to her neighbor's marijuana use, and she needed to get out of the condo. She told Judy that she had taken off work for Friday, October 2nd, and the couple was planning on arriving back home on the 2nd, but it would be too late in the day to work. Tiffany was expected back at work on Monday, October 5th. She then made plans with her mom to have dinner on Sunday the 4th. Judy continued to text Tiffany throughout the day on Thursday the 1st, but Tiffany never responded. This was highly unusual because Judy and Tiffany talked every day, and it was out of character for Tiffany not to text back. Mindy and Angelina told Mom and Mysteries that Tiffany was quick to respond to messages, and she was a very social person. In addition to texting, Tiffany spent a lot of time on social media and would frequently like and comment on friends' and family's posts. After the text to Judy on October 1st, Tiffany didn't like or comment on anything. Needless to say, this was strange, and Judy was starting to get concerned. That same day, October 1st, Judy checked a security camera that pointed towards Tiffany's parking spot. Tiffany's car was gone. Judy continued to check the surveillance camera footage, and that's when she noticed something. The footage from September 29th to October 1st was deleted which had to have been done manually. She called Tiffany and Eduardo several times, but all of the calls went to voicemail. 
She tried messaging them through Facebook, but all of those messages went unanswered. Judy then tried reaching out to family and friends to see if they had heard from Tiffany or even Eduardo. No one had heard from either of them. At this point, Judy was worried about Tiffany, but she was determined not to think the worst. Also, as Angelina told In Pursuit with John Walsh, they knew that Tiffany was an adult and she was free to come and go as she pleased. They thought maybe she and Eduardo had eloped and run off on a romantic trip. However, no one could shake the feeling that there was something, something off in Tiffany's lack of communication. Then what the family had been waiting for happened. They started getting texts from Tiffany. But hope was quickly lost when they realized that the messages were strange and didn't sound anything like Tiffany. Additionally, Tiffany only communicated through texts. She didn't talk to anyone on the phone. The last text was sent on October 3rd, just before 8 p.m. This was the last text ever to be sent from Tiffany's phone. While all of this was happening, the family continued to reach out to people to see if they knew where Tiffany was. Mindy discovered that a group of Tiffany's friends in San Antonio had heard from Tiffany, or at least Tiffany's phone, on October 3rd. The friends also noticed that Tiffany's phone location said she was in Idaho, which they thought was strange because they assumed that if Tiffany was going to take a trip, she would tell them. They reached out to her to see why she was in Idaho, and that's when she responded. Quote, I had to get away from Vegas. My dad's coming into town and he was really stressing me out. Hearing this, the friends thought that it made a bit of sense and it relieved them of their worries. Tiffany had had a strained relationship with her father. So maybe an unexpected trip to relax wasn't completely out of the ordinary. Tiffany's family, however, didn't believe that text came from Tiffany. It was strange that Tiffany would have gone to Idaho because she didn't know anyone in the state. Also, her relationship with her father had been getting better and they didn't think she would have run away just so she didn't have to see him. On the morning of October 4th, the San Antonio group chat noticed that Tiffany's phone was still in Idaho. Then, her location was turned off. For Tiffany's family, the text with the group chat confirmed that Tiffany wasn't on a romantic vacation. She was missing. On Monday, October 5th, both Tiffany and Eduardo failed to show up for work. This was highly unusual for Tiffany because she never missed work without telling anyone. Judy texted Tiffany to ask if her cat, Fuzzy Kitty, had enough food and water, but Tiffany didn't even respond. Now this was alarming because Tiffany would have never left Fuzzy Kitty unattended for so long. Tiffany loved Fuzzy Kitty dearly and Judy believed that Tiffany would have wanted to make sure that the cat was okay. Judy and her boyfriend then went to the condo to check on Fuzzy Kitty and see if they could figure out what happened. When they got there, they discovered that Fuzzy Kitty was indeed out of food and water. Additionally, none of Tiffany's things were missing, even stuff that she would have taken on the trip to Boulder City that she claimed to be on. More alarming was the fact that Tiffany's asthma medication was still at the condo. If Tiffany was going on the trip, she would have taken her medication especially because this particular trip was allegedly in order to get away from the marijuana smoke floating through the vents of the condo. It didn't make sense for Tiffany to have left her medication when her asthma was the reason for the trip in the first place. A family member said for Tiffany to be gone without it didn't make any sense at all. On top of all of that, her laptop was also at the condo. And that was another thing that Tiffany would have taken with her. The same day that Judy went to the condo, 
she reported Tiffany and Eduardo missing. At this point, Judy and the family believed that something bad had happened to both of them. None of the information they had pointed to only one of them being missing. An investigation was opened by missing persons detectives, but Tiffany's family didn't think that they were taking the case very seriously. They felt that the detectives were disregarding Tiffany's disappearance because of a, she's an adult and she can go missing if she wants to mentality. Although they too had thought that at first, Tiffany's family now believed that she was in danger. Mindy and Angelina told Moms and Mysteries, I understand that law enforcement has a lot to deal with and I fully understand that. But when you know 100% in your soul that this isn't something that they would do, it's like, could you listen? A detective told In Pursuit with John Walsh that there are 500 missing persons report made in Las Vegas every month and around 99% of those people are found. Tiffany's family knows that this makes the police overworked but they also felt that Tiffany's case should have been treated better. In addition to the police, the family had a hard time getting the media to cover Tiffany's case at all. There were a few local stations that covered it when the police had their first breakthrough, but other than that, the coverage was pretty dismal. With Tiffany and Eduardo officially missing, the family started regularly monitoring Tiffany's social media accounts in hopes that she would post something. They noticed that sometimes Tiffany's Facebook would state, active one hour ago, which made them believe that she was still alive. But she still wasn't communicating with them. And now a word from today's sponsor. I've been sleeping on Blissey pillowcases for a couple of years. I literally have 10 of them. And let me tell you, the sleep has been nothing short of blissful. That's because Blissey uses award-winning 100% mulberry silk, which is what's best for your hair and skin. It reduces frizz, tangles, and prevents breakage. It keeps the moisture in your hair and keeps your skincare products and natural moisture on your skin, while cotton literally absorbs it off your face. With Blissey Silk Pillowcases, you can say goodbye to wrinkles, dry, flaky, and red skin in the morning, and wake up with healthier, shinier hair that won't take an hour to fix. Like Natalie said, Blissey Pillowcases are made with 100% mulberry silk which just so happens to be naturally hypoallergenic, so you can sleep more comfortably without itching or rashes. And unlike other silk pillowcases, these are some of the highest quality silk and are machine washable and durable. Not to mention, it's the perfect gift for any occasion. I've given them to my mom, my sister. I make my husband sleep on one. Everyone I love loves Blissey just as much as I do. Plus, the pillowcases come in gift-ready packaging that they'll be sure to love. Besides all the amazing benefits for skin and hair, one of the things I've enjoyed most about using Blissey is that they regulate temperature, keeping you cool at night. Seriously, the entire pillow, cool to the touch. No more sweaty nights spent tossing and turning around for me. And they're really soft too. Everybody loves Blissey and you will too. They have a ton of different prints and colors. And like we said, Blissey makes for a great gift because there's an option for literally everyone. And men love them too. They have over 1 million raving fans and you will be next. Try Blissey now risk-free for 60 nights at blissey.com slash diaries and get an additional 30% off. That's B-L-I-S-S-Y dot com slash diaries and use code diaries to get an additional 30% off. Your skin and hair and everyone you gift it to will thank you. About this time, Angelina started a Facebook page for Tiffany so she could spread awareness about the case and hopefully gain new information. 
The page quickly gained over 2,000 followers and Angelina received hundreds of warm messages and tips from followers. On October 6th, police went to Tiffany's condo to do a walkthrough, but they didn't find anything out of the ordinary or suspicious. Tiffany's manager at work told detectives that they had received a text from Tiffany on October 1st, and it said that she was taking the day off. Then on October 2nd, the company received a voicemail from Eduardo saying that both he and Tiffany would be gone that day. Detectives also discovered that Tiffany's Facebook account was shut down all day on October 2nd, something that she wouldn't have done, and that was a major red flag for her family. On October 7th, one of Tiffany's friends from out of town, a woman named Bree, arrived in Las Vegas. Bree already had plans to visit Tiffany before she went missing. To Bree, it was alarming that Tiffany hadn't been texting her about her upcoming trip. So, once in Vegas, Bree jumped right into the search efforts. Bree got a hold of Tiffany's bank account information and statements, and Judy gave her Tiffany's social security number, which she used to call the bank. Bree discovered that the last purchase on Tiffany's card was for fast food and gas in Idaho on October 6th. The charges made to the fast food restaurant were small, making the family believe that only one person was using the card and buying food. Bree told In Pursuit with John Walsh that realizing that made her feel sick. At this point, Tiffany's family started looking into Eduardo. Through their digging, they discovered that he had several aliases and several social media accounts that used the name Daniel Trent. And they knew it was Eduardo because the profile picture for Daniel Trent was a picture of Eduardo. On a search of Tiffany's condo, Mindy and Judy found a black box on the kitchen table and it had supplies to make fake IDs. They also found one of Eduardo's fake IDs on Tiffany's bed. They discovered that Eduardo would make IDs with variations of his own name, such as Edward or Eduardo with a W instead of a U. The family remembered that Tiffany had once said that Eduardo wanted to live off the grid and that he was technologically savvy enough to make it happen. He allegedly said that if he wanted to disappear, no one would ever be able to find him. He also called himself a digital nomad. With everything that Mindy and Judy had found in the condo, it was starting to seem like he had done just that. It's around this time that the family got their first major lead. When a friend of Angelina's who lived in Ely, Nevada, texted her a picture of Eduardo with the message, is this Eduardo? Angelina was stunned and quickly responded that, yes, it was in fact Eduardo. Angelina's friend told her that her friend's neighbor found a man who turned out to be Eduardo asleep in her yard. Eduardo had a red wagon and two black backpacks with computer parts in them. Eduardo told the neighbor that his mom had just died and he was on a spiritual walk from Idaho to Henderson, Nevada. At first, he said his name was Daniel and then claimed that it was Eddie. He apparently cried a lot during the interaction. Feeling bad, the neighbor gave Eduardo a tent to sleep in for the night and told him that she had a friend who could drive him to Henderson. She made him breakfast the next day and washed his clothes. Before Eduardo left, she took a picture of him because she thought the whole thing was strange. Her friend then drove him to Henderson. Eduardo was dropped off outside of a hospital where his cousin worked. The police later interviewed Eduardo's cousin, but he said that he hadn't seen Eduardo at all that day. Ultimately, by the time Tiffany's family got this information, it was too late. That was the last credible sighting of Eduardo. The next breakthrough came on October 8th, when Tiffany's car was found in a mountainous area near Ely, Nevada 
which is around 250 miles north of Las Vegas and 204 miles away from the Idaho border. The car was found four miles off the road by two off-duty police officers who were hunting. The license plates had been removed. One detective told In Pursuit with John Walsh, quote, it looked like someone intended to hide that vehicle. But once the car's VIN number was run, it was determined to be Tiffany's car. When detectives went to the car, they found paper in the car and torn clothing. They also found a receipt to a Walmart in Twin Falls, Idaho from October 3rd. After searching the area around the car, they had the car towed so that they could search it at a later date. The detectives also visited the Walmart in Twin Falls and viewed the surveillance footage that showed Eduardo buying survival gear. But Tiffany wasn't on the footage. According to Tiffany's family, this was when the entire investigation shifted and the police began taking the case seriously. Everyone knew that Tiffany had worked extremely hard to purchase her car and she wouldn't have left it in the condition it was found in. Despite the police's new interest in the case, the media still had little interest in it. Tiffany's family asked news outlets, podcasts, and YouTubers to talk about Tiffany and her case, but hardly anyone agreed to do so. On October 10th, police obtained a search warrant for Tiffany's condo. They noticed something strange right away. Right there in the guest bedroom, there was a white powder all over the carpet. It looked like it had been used for cleaning. Additionally, there was a roll of saran wrap in the bedroom. Police also found two more rolls of saran wrap in the apartment. And on the guest bedroom's door frame, police found aspirate blood spatter. And I know what you're thinking because I'm thinking it too. Didn't the police already do a walkthrough of this condo? They did. And it's unclear how the powder and blood was missed by the previous police walkthrough, but maybe they didn't look in the bedrooms on those occasions. I really can't say. After their search of the condo, detectives believed that Tiffany had been the victim of a homicide. They thought that she had been killed by blunt force trauma and had been wrapped up in saran wrap to prevent blood from spreading. They theorized that the white powder was carpet cleaner that had been used to remove the blood from the carpet. Detectives then went through Eduardo's bank statements. And there they discovered that in September 2020, Eduardo had purchased an item from a company that made GPS tracking devices. This purchase appeared important to detectives. Now that the police had searched the condo, Crime scene tape was put all over the door in an attempt to keep people out. However, the windows weren't wrapped. And because the condo wasn't being guarded at night, Eduardo was able to climb through a back patio window and grab supplies. This meant that the crime scene was compromised and the condo had to be searched all over again. Detectives did not share all of this information with Tiffany's family right away. As far as they knew, the search of the apartment didn't lead to any new information. So Tiffany's friends and family started contacting people that they thought were related to Eduardo. Unfortunately, they didn't find anyone who could help them. Everyone they talked to said that they weren't close to him and therefore didn't know where he was. Then a devastating setback occurred. When the family realized that they had all been communicating about the case in a group chat that Eduardo was in. This meant that he knew what information they had, how close they were to finding him, and most importantly what he needed to do to avoid detection. Once the family realized that he was in the group chat, they started a new one and he definitely wasn't in that one. However, the family's worst fears would soon be proven correct. While searching Tiffany's car on October 11th, detectives found a GPS tracker, which they believed was left behind by Eduardo. 
Remember that purchase he made in September? This had to have been what he bought. Tiffany's family believed that Eduardo was jealous and possessive of her. So he put the tracker on her car so he would know where she was at all times. According to the GPS's data, Tiffany's car left the condo either late on the night of September 30th or early in the morning on October 1st, and then drove north on US 95 to an area of the desert that was near Indian Springs, Nevada, which is about 45 miles away from Las Vegas. The car stayed in that area for a little bit and then left. This area was a former landfill, but the landfill closed after the property was sold. However, that never stopped locals from using the site as an unofficial dump zone. It later came out that Eduardo used to live in Indian Springs, meaning he was probably familiar with this location. Detectives followed the car's path from that night and were led directly to Tiffany's body, which was in a rocky ravine. She was wrapped in a blanket and in plastic. Her autopsy concluded that she had died from blunt force injuries to her head. From the injuries to the plastic wrap, the police were spot on with their theory. Tiffany's murder broke her family's heart. They couldn't understand why someone who would take such a kind and loving person away from the world. Angelina told the media, I can't fathom for one reason why anyone would want to hurt her. She impacted everyone she knew because she was so kind and accepting and she made everyone feel like the most important person in the world. Tiffany didn't deserve this. Our family didn't deserve this. Nobody deserves this. The way that Eduardo handled Tiffany's body also angered her family. Angelina told In Pursuit with John Walsh, she was dumped out in the desert and thrown away like trash. Disturbing, dehumanizing, just completely erased her humanity. She also told the Las Vegas Sun that if Eduardo was a nefarious individual, she wouldn't have seen it. Because Tiffany was kind and forgiving by nature. After her body was found, Tiffany was cremated and her ashes, along with the ashes of her beloved parakeet, were buried with her grandparents. Her family felt that being buried with her bird was meaningful to them and would have been meaningful to Tiffany. At this point, the case turned into a homicide investigation. And on October 28th, authorities announced that Eduardo was officially a suspect in Tiffany's murder. They obtained an arrest warrant for several different charges, including murder and vehicle theft. He was also charged with multiple felony accounts for all of the charges he made on Tiffany's card after she was killed. The last pieces of the puzzle clicked into place a few weeks after Tiffany's body was found, when one of her and Eduardo's coworkers made a statement to the police. According to the coworker, Tiffany confided in him that Eduardo abused her mentally and emotionally. He would allegedly call her names and make her feel small. The coworker said that the abuse would sometimes even become physical and he would push Tiffany. Then the coworker told police that at 4.26 a.m. on September 30th, the day police believed Tiffany was murdered, he received a phone call from Eduardo. The coworker believed that the call was a butt dial because no one said anything directly to him. But he heard something in the background and it was horrible. He could hear yelling and people having an argument. He also heard Eduardo say several times that he, quote, wanted the truth. The call eventually ended, but not before the coworker heard Eduardo get extremely angry. After this call, the coworker was worried about Tiffany's safety. According to Mindy and Angelina, Eduardo and Tiffany were fighting about one of Tiffany's ex-boyfriends who she had been talking to. Eduardo was allegedly insanely jealous and 
didn't want Tiffany talking to any other man, especially her ex-boyfriend. With this new information from the coworker, detectives put together a rough timeline of what they believe happened to Tiffany. And here's what it is. On the morning of September 30th, Eduardo and Tiffany started fighting about Tiffany's ex-boyfriend. At some point during the argument, Eduardo killed Tiffany. He then drove out to the desert where he abandoned her body in the ravine. From that point on, anytime Tiffany, and that's in quotes, texted someone, it was Eduardo. On November 19th, authorities held a press conference to publicly state that they were still searching for Eduardo. They said, we don't know where he is, but we want to draw special attention to anyone who lives in any remote areas, specifically in northeastern Nevada near the Ruby Mountains, near Ely, Nevada, and also into Idaho, wherever he was. They believed that he was hiding somewhere in the mountains. Judy also spoke at the conference. At one point, she spoke directly to Eduardo, stating, please, please come forward and turn yourself in, as my family and your family need closure. Shortly after this, the FBI was brought in to help search for Eduardo. The search was made especially hard because Eduardo was able to use his background in IT to digitally avoid detection. Police believed that he had also physically changed his appearance and lost around 150 pounds, making it even harder to recognize and therefore track him. Investigators believed that Eduardo was dangerous and would go to extreme lengths to avoid getting caught. So you're probably wondering where the case is now. Well, in June of 2022, Tiffany's family held a celebration of life for Tiffany. During the event, they shared videos of Tiffany dancing and rescuing birds. Judy told those gathered that she thinks of Tiffany every day. She also shared her memories of playing bingo and going to concerts with her daughter. The celebration of life wasn't entirely peaceful, though. That's because right before the event was scheduled to begin, Tiffany's Facebook account was deleted. This meant that all of her pictures and all of her messages with friends and family were gone. Previously, the family had looked back at messages with Tiffany as a way to feel connected to her, but now they could no longer do so. They believe that Eduardo deleted the Facebook account and purposefully did it right before the memorial. And creepily enough, this wasn't the only time Eduardo used Tiffany's accounts or devices after her murder. On one occasion, he used Tiffany's Nintendo Switch to order Grubhub from a hotel in Las Vegas. This meant that he was right under the police's noses, which frankly, is both terrifying and frustrating. And as time has passed, Tiffany's family has tried to find out more about Eduardo's past. They discovered that Tiffany's murder wasn't the only time he committed violence. He had a battery assault charge from a previous physical attack. They also discovered that he may have been helped by strangers, churches, and Las Vegas locals. As of this recording, investigators are still searching for Eduardo with the plan of arresting and prosecuting him for Tiffany's murder. Eduardo Clemente is a white male, six feet, two inches tall. At the time he was last seen, Eduardo weighed approximately 375 pounds, but he could have lost up to 150 pounds since then. Due to this weight loss, he may look different from his driver license photo or other photos circulating. He may be using an alias, including the alias Daniel Trent. Investigators told In Pursuit with John Walsh that they believe Eduardo is in the Western United States specifically Nevada, Idaho, and Montana. He has connections in these areas, but he could be anywhere in the U.S. Investigators have said that they only need one piece of information to make a difference in this case and to find Eduardo. 
They want to hold Eduardo accountable for his actions and get justice for Tiffany and her family. So now we're at the part of each case coverage where we tell you how you can help. Anyone with information about the whereabouts of Eduardo Clemente is asked to call police at 702-828-3521 or email homicide at lvmpd.com. To remain anonymous, contact Crime Stoppers at 702-385-5555 or report a tip online at crimestoppersofnv.com. There's currently a reward of $20,000, half of which is from Crime Stoppers and the other half is from the FBI. There's also a new wanted poster, which was recently created and we'll post on our Instagram. If you don't have any information about the case and still want to help, you can do so by sharing Tiffany's story and Eduardo's wanted poster on social media. You can also join the Help Find Justice for Tiffany Booth Facebook group and donate to the family's GoFundMe, which is trying to raise money so they can offer a larger reward. The family's also hoping to get a billboard with Eduardo's face on it to accompany the thousands of flyers they have distributed. As always, all these links will be available in our show notes. Tiffany's case demonstrates how abuse can quickly escalate into the unthinkable. If you or anyone you know needs help, you can call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 7233. You can chat at thehotline.org or you can text START to 88788. All three of these are 24-7 free and confidential. There's also additional resources on the Domestic Violence Hotline website. Finding Eduardo is top priority for Tiffany's family. Angelina told Mom and Mysteries, I absolutely want justice for my beautiful cousin. But at the same time, it's almost more urgent for me because I don't want him to hurt anybody else. I don't want another innocent, vulnerable girl to take him in. And you know, now that he's done what he's done, if he's got to cover his tracks, you know what I mean? Crazy things happen. And or what if she finds out who he was and then what kind of danger is that person in? She went on to say, knowing what we've gone through, not for one second would I ever want anyone else ever, ever to go through this. Tiffany's case stirs up a lot of emotions. Her murder is heartbreaking. Eduardo's escape from justice is infuriating. Her family's fight is inspiring. But at the center of it all is Tiffany, a woman who had big goals in life and was a bright light in the world. That light was extinguished too soon, but it will never be forgotten. We'll leave you today with some more words from Angelina. She was just amazing. I know we say it all the time because it's really common to romanticize people after they pass away. They're all wonderful. They never did anything wrong, you know, but... The only thing that you could say about Tiffany is that she was just so kind, just so kind, so loving and kind and giving and genuine. She was just one of those people that would do anything for you. Make sure to follow us on all of our socials at The Murder Diaries Pod, and you can find us at at the Murder Diaries Pod Request at gmail.com. And until then, stay safe. Bye. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.